Welcome to the Canaan Bound Podcast, episode 58. My name is Philip Wells, and I will be your host for this episode. We begin today with Freedom in Christ with Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians 3, 26-29, the high status of sons. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. NIV 1984 What does it mean for a woman or a slave or a Jew or a Greek to be a son of God? Some have used this passage to get rid of all the quote-unquote old stereotypes to eliminate male authority in the home and church and society. But Paul himself upholds the order of creation. Look to Ephesians 5. So does Luther, our namesake. A husband is his wife's head. The leaders, pastors in the church, are to be the husband's male of but one wife. The order of creation stands. There are all sorts of God-established authorities in this world. Sometimes I am under authority. Sometimes I have authority. I am not the president or a congressman or policeman in the world that may make me less important. But is that really true? Hardly. Not in God's eyes. Perhaps we would be wise to connect verse 26, sons of God, to verse 29, Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In fact, perhaps is the wrong word. There is absolutely an intimate connection here. In the first century, only sons could inherit property. Unmarried daughters were to be cared for under the inheritance and watchful eye of brothers, usually the oldest brother. Who is to say that such a system is less good than our social welfare structures? It's strange to us, but it might actually care for women better than our modern system. At any rate, Paul, who elsewhere upholds male authority in home and church, and society in general, is giving to women and slaves and non-Jews a very high position. All who believe in Jesus are, by God's grace, heirs of the promises given to Abraham. In specific, though we still carry the sin of the first woman, Eve, and the first man, Adam, with us, the inheritance in heaven, lost by their sin, has been restored through the seed of the woman, who is also the seed of of Abraham. Every good thing has been promised through Jesus to every child of God. Our station in this life does not matter. Presidents, believing presidents, will have no higher position in heaven than the lowliest untouchable, a believing untouchable, in the slums of New Delhi. All who have been given faith in the work of Jesus, in his perfect obedience to the law, in his willing death, and in his victorious Easter rising, all are equally sons of God, heirs with Abraham. There are those who criticize Orthodox Christian teaching for being anti-woman. What more could God say to any woman in any station of life than to grant her the status son of God? As a side note, the NIV 2011 has translated sons children of God. In my judgment, it weakens the truth taught here just a bit. 
rather than lifting up the status of women, it hinders them just a bit from really drinking in this blessing of sonship. Every woman who is listening today should certainly file away in her memory bank how dearly God has loved her to call her a son, that is, an heir with Christ. And now we listen to the song Bones by Spark and Echo from their album Inheritance. You can find more of Spark and Echo's music at sparkandechoband.com.
And now, we join Pastor Timothy Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You, Job 18, verses 5 to uh, the end of the chapter, verse 21. Almost all the rest of this chapter is either quoted or rephrased in other parts of the Bible, in the Proverbs, in the Psalms, in the Prophets, even by Jesus himself. I'm going to try and point these quotes or allusions out while we watch the central argument of Bildad take shape and come to its conclusion. But I think that as the Bible keeps quoting this chapter, we realize that it's because of what comes after and because of the great and important statements of chapter 19 that have Job 18 on everybody's lips. Verse 5. The lamp of the wicked is snuffed out, the flame of his fire stops burning. Now this is Bildad's main point. The wicked, he means Job, are going to be punished before they die. But in Proverbs, in uh, uh, both uh, this verse and Job 21.17 are paraphrased in Proverbs, oh, three times. Proverbs 13.9, Proverbs 21.4, and Proverbs 24.20. This idea is a warning rather than a a foregone conclusion. And I I can't help but remember that Jesus uh, quotes from uh, another book of the Bible when he says um, that a a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, uh, talking about any amount of faith saving. That's a little bit more distant reach. I think it's Jesus referring to something else that refers back to this, so it's not quite as direct. Verse 6. The light in his tent becomes dark. The lamp beside him goes out. Two days before he was betrayed by by Judas, Jesus was sitting high up on the Mount of Olives. It's about 200 feet above the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Looks directly down into the temple courts, or it did then. He was talking to his disciples about the end of the world and teaching them to be ready. And he turned for one of the last times to his favorite teaching method, a parable. The parable of the ten virgins that used a scene from ancient Jewish weddings where the girls, we would probably think of them as the bridesmaids, had to wait for the groom to show up while he went and took care of last-minute planning. Weddings weren't planned for months and months, but rather for, you know, maybe just hours. And in Jesus' story, the bridesmaids drift off to sleep as the night wears on and they're still waiting for the groom to turn up. And at midnight, they hear the shouts of, here comes the groom. I don't know if there was a song, but half of them have their lamps, uh, have let their lamps go out. There's not enough oil to share. But while the foolish girls run off to an all-night store in Matthew 25, the groom arrives and the wedding party gets started and the doors are shut. The foolish girls have missed out because their lamps went dark. Jesus picked up the same idea of this verse to warn all of us to be ready on his return on the last day. That that whole parable is in Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Verses 7 and 8. The vigor of his step is weakened. His own schemes throw him down. His feet thrust him into a net, and he wanders off into its mesh. Both of these verses, I I think, are reflected in Psalm 9, uh, probably at verse 15 where we see the unbelieving nations of the world caught in the very net they have hidden. 
After Judas betrayed Jesus, his plan backfired. Evidently, he hadn't intended for Jesus maybe to be condemned, but simply to make some money. Maybe he thought Jesus would just perform a miracle or one of those tricks of rhetoric that he could do to get out of his arrest. But Jesus didn't resist. He just went willingly to his death. And Judas was seized with remorse, caught in his own scheme. The chief priests wouldn't let him return his money and left his ministry as an apostle. And he left his ministry as an apostle to to go, as we hear later in Acts, to go where he belonged. Verses 9 and 10. A trap seizes him by the heel. A snare holds him fast. A noose is hidden for him on the ground. A trap lies in his path. Isaiah quotes or comes close to quoting Job in almost every chapter of his great book. These verses peek out at us in one of Isaiah's most famous passages, quoted by both Peter, 1 Peter 2, and Paul in Romans 9 as a warning. Will Jesus be the cornerstone of our faith and lives? Or will he be a noose hidden on the ground, a trap and a stumbling block that makes us fall? This is how Isaiah framed that warning in Isaiah 8. He will be a sanctuary, but for both houses of Israel, he will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Verses 11 to 14. Terrors startle him on every side and dog his every step. Calamity is hungry for him. Disaster is ready for him when he falls. It eats away parts of his skin. Death's firstborn devours his limbs. He is torn from the security of his tent and marched off to the king of terrors. Okay, that's just horrifying in every way. I suppose death's firstborn is maybe worms, the first thing that show up after death, and death's firstborn is devouring uh, his limbs and so forth. But let's talk about the the later reference to this, which is the prophet Jeremiah, who picks up Bildad's phrase, terrors startle him on every side. And Jeremiah preaches a bunch of sermons on just that idea. It even became Jeremiah's nickname among some of his enemies. In this, this uh, Jeremiah 20, verse 10, Jeremiah 6, 25, 46, 5, 49, 29, and so forth. Verse 15. Fire resides in his tent. Burning sulfur is scattered over his dwelling. Another passage from Jeremiah, this is actually in Lamentations 2, uses the picture of the flaming tent as he laments God's permission for the destruction of Jerusalem. Bildad's cruel words are the most vivid picture we have of the way Job's children died, as well as the way Job's sheep and servants were killed in chapter 1. When, uh, and, and Bildad, remember, has just said, burning sulfur is scattered over his dwelling. Jeremiah understood that Job's suffering was permitted by the Lord, and perhaps that was on his mind as he used these words to describe the suffering of the Jews at the hands of the Babylonians. Let's read from 16 down to the end of the chapter. His roots dry up below and his branches wither above. The memory of him perishes from the earth. He has no name in the land. He is driven from light into darkness and is banished from the world. He has no offspring or descendants among his people, no survivors where once he lived. 
Men of the West are appalled at his fate. Men of the East are seized with horror. Surely such is the dwelling of an evil man. Such is the place of one who knows not God. These verses anticipate Ezekiel 17, where the prophet is commanded to describe the fate of the last king of Judah with a parable about a tree that withers and will have no offspring. And then, in addition to this, verse 20 is very much like Isaiah 52, which describes Isaiah 52, 14, the Messiah uh, suffering for the sins of mankind. There we see many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. If this is what Bildad thinks should happen to a wicked, evil man, then we have much for which to praise God. Jesus Christ took the suffering we deserve. Even the misguided Bildad understood that the wicked deserve God's wrath. And Jesus let him be put to death for our sins. Jesus himself became like one who knows not God. That was the sacrifice he made, and he made it for us. Through Jesus, we have been brought back into the family of God, and we will remain there forever. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now we have a mission blog update. This mission blog update from the Wells Mission Blog was first published January 16 of 2014. It's titled, Not by Chance, But by Grace. Phil Hubner serves as a pastor at Christ the King Lutheran Church in Palm Coast, Florida. Hubner writes about how the congregation's school is often the new member's first contact with the congregation. The Lord works in mysterious ways. We say that a lot in our Christian circles, but it is so very true. I've had another example recently of God's mysterious grace and wisdom. Tiffany and David were both looking for a preschool for the oldest of their three boys. They didn't know a lot about preschools in the area or about church, but they knew they wanted a good preschool that was also a good Christian preschool. So they went online and searched. They found our preschool listed on the Early Learning Coalition website. It was one of the first listed because we were one of the highest achieving in the county. Besides our great scores, we are Christian, so they called. Unfortunately, our school sometimes has a waiting list. Ryland was placed on the waiting list, not by chance, but by God's grace and wisdom. A spot opened up over the summer. We were able to get Ryland in. Throughout the year, I often hold several Bible information classes, as most pastors do. Often our teachers are the best recruiters. This was another example. The Mays family had visited church once or twice, but I wanted to try to get them into the classes. It was their teacher through who bubbled over the excitement and encouraged them to attend. So they did. Sure enough, Tiffany and David loved the classes and started attending church more. They finished the classes and joined the church. Then I baptized all three of their boys and Tiffany and David. Now the Mays family is a regular at worship and Bible study. They are active and involved and very excited to be a part of our church and school family. This may not have happened if God wasn't guiding them to his grace through their preschool searching process. Oh, and by the way, the teacher that was so excited to invite them to the Bible information class? That teacher's name is Jessica. 
I wrote about her nine months ago and how she went through the Bible information class and was baptized a little more than two years ago. Now she is our number one recruiter. God's grace at work again. Amazing. To see, me, to see more stories like this, or to read up on Jessica's story, visit blogs.wells.net slash missions. We end our time together today with Galatians chapter 5, verse 6b, the song from the Camp Phillips Campfire Choir from their album Campfire Songs. The only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. Pain and sorrow surround me, 10,000 places that I should be. Canaanboundpodcast.com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and of the artists featured on this podcast. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.